All right, well, I'm so excited about this subject, you know, that I'm going to talk about. Uh, it's something that's just stirred. I've, I've been happy all day long just thinking about this. It's one of those things that you're like, this is awesome. <laughs> and what I'm going to be talking about is he began a good work. So let's start that um, on Philippians 1, 3 through 6. We're going to, you know, once you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you start your walk with him right then. And then he began a work immediately in you. And the good thing about it is, is he didn't stop right there. That wasn't the end. But that now you're on this journey, on this path with him for the rest of your life and all eternity. And he began that work in you. And he is so interested in each and every one of us that are here today. So let's look at Philippians 1, 3 through 6. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, uh, making requests for you all with joy. This is Paul talking to the church of Philippi. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident, this is the scripture I want you to see, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. When I was in college, we had this band and we'd go around and we traveled all over. We were talking about it in Super Kid Academy. We, I showed you guys pictures of how we went uh, to Europe and all the different places that we got to see in Europe. And so, uh, but we would sing this song, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. It's a beautiful song. Um, I haven't heard it actually in years and years, but we would sing that. Um, we did every concert for a year. Uh, whenever we would go somewhere, we would sing that song. And it stood out to me. And, uh, and anyways, it just came back to me before we even did the Super Kid lesson. But it started coming back to me and started stirring in my heart. And I was like, I think there's a sermon there. <laughs> and so that's what this is tonight. <laughs> so Paul is encouraging the new church in Philippi. And he's exhorting them that what God started in them, he was going to complete. It wasn't over. It was just the beginning. And so let's look at Ephesians 3.14. Not only did he start a work, but he made it fun. Ephesians 4, uh, 3.14 says, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for God, for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Doesn't that sound like fun? You get to run a race and you get a prize at the end. I, can it get any better with God? He is so cool. He does things in a way that makes it fun and exciting, you know? When we play games or when, when you run, uh, in track or something you're you're doing it you go through all this stuff to condition and get all you know ready and you're and you're doing your best to win first place and but you, if you get second and third you still get a medal and that's all exciting but you're putting all this effort into it because you want to win well in christ he has put our whole life he's giving us our whole life to run a race and to finish it and to win a prize. How exciting is that? 
You know, sometimes people think that uh, being a Christian could be boring. You know, I can remember when I was growing up, you know, people were like, I don't want to be a Christian. I have to give up too much, too much fun. And they're talking about going, you know, to, um, going to the river, getting drunk, maybe getting a little high, having relationship after relationship after relationship with all sorts of people, you know, and, you know, as a, as a teenager, when you're hearing all that kind of stuff, you're like, that's what people considered fun. And then I heard a youth minister one time say this, changed my perspective all completely. He said that being as a Christian, we were saved from drugs, from drunkenness, from sorrow and heartbreak, and we were put on a path towards a good marriage, a great family, and a fulfilling life. And it changed everything. I'm like, okay, I'm on the right side. <laughs> you know, you're thinking, am I missing out on everything? Everybody's making this sound so glamorous, and they're all, they come on Monday to school, and they brag about how drunk they got, and all this, and you're like, you know, looking back at it, you're like, that is, that doesn't sound quite as exciting and all that, but when, you're, when, you don't, when you've never seen it, you've never been around it, you're like, maybe that is really cool because they look all happy about it. But after, <laughs> after I heard that young man, that young minister say that, I was like, you know what? I can hold my head high and be like, you know what? I'm on the right side. It's okay for me not to know all this other stuff. You know, and so I just want to encourage our kids and our teenagers, it's okay if you don't know all that other stuff. It's okay to be on the side that's with God because you know what? He began a good work. He didn't re begin a bad work, a hopeless work, a work where you're missing out on all the fun that everybody else is having. No, he began a good work in you. As soon as you said, Lord, you have my heart. I believe in you. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. As soon as you have done that, you are on a path of good things, not of evil, not of destruction, not of hopelessness, not of oh, anxiety and depression and all those things that happen to the people that aren't serving him. You are on a path of victory. It doesn't mean that there aren't hard things, but it means that you have somebody that is causing you to triumph. And he's in there all the time. You know, uh, you, were, you were so on God's mind that he knew about you before you were even born. Let's look at Psalm 139, 13. Before you were even conceived in your mother's womb, God had a plan. He had thoughts about you. He had a purpose for you. He thought that you were amazing. Can you believe that? You weren't even born yet. You hadn't even done anything for him. You hadn't even made him Lord of your life. And yet he thought you were really, really cool. And he goes, I'm going to think about him. I'm going to. So let's look at what he has to say about us. For you formed my inner inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, I think everybody should have that part on their mirror. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. Talking about us. Marvelous 
is God's work in creating us, in creating you, in creating me, in creating all of us. That my soul knows very well. You know, the more that our soul understands what the Bible says about us, understands how God sees us, the more our soul prospers. Man, for us to understand, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That's how God sees me. You know, sometimes we, we like to compare ourselves with other people, and we always end up on the short end of the stick. You know, we're comparing our weaknesses with their strengths. We're discounting our strengths. We're just looking at the weaknesses. But God said he fearfully and wonderfully made us. We're so special to him. We're so important to him. We, his works are marvelous. Look, at, look all around you. See the mountains. See the sky. See the ocean. Those are the kind of things that God made, and yet he made you. And he's saying that you are marvelous. Isn't that amazing? I just get excited when I think about that. Um, my frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, nobody even knew I was coming to earth, but God did. <laughs> it was hidden from everyone else, but he knew what he was doing and what he was preparing everybody else to get. <laughs> uh, our, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book, they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet none of them were. Isn't that amazing? Before we even arrived, God thought about us. And he fashioned days for us, with us in mind. He knew, you know what? He knew we were supposed to be here at this time at this uh, season of life, everything that is happening right now, he was like, you were made for this. You are made to rock it. You are made to live it up. Not partying, but for him. Oh my goodness, the success that he has planned for each and every one of us. It's amazing. He says that he has done this for us. Let's look at um, 17. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. Just think about this. If I could count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Can you imagine how many thoughts that is that God has about just you? Isn't that amazing? He has thoughts about us. So many, so many. He planned us. He purposed our lives to be, you know, great. And you know what? The thing that is so cool about God is that it's not a, it's not a comparison thing. It's not like you're a great one, Julia, but Christina, you know, you're, you're okay. Hey, that's not how he looks at things at all. Probably shouldn't do that with siblings, <laughs> especially my kids. But my point is, that's not how he sees you. He sees you like 
your parents see you, that you're both spectacular and amazing. <laughs> Did I get myself out of that hole? <laughs> but that's how God sees each and every one of us in here. He's not saying, oh, no, that's a real go-getter, and that one, well, you know, they're, you know at least they're going to slide into heaven. <laughs> That's not how he looks at us at all. He looks at us all as being amazing, a creation that he purposed on purpose to be here for a reason, to do something of significance. There's so many people in this world that you're going to see that I'm not going to see. There's so many people that are going to cross my path that may not cross your path. There is no reason for there to be a competition. There's no reason to discount what you're bringing, what you are offering in life, because God needs you just as much as he needs the person sitting next to you. He needs every single one of us. There are things, there are, you are purposefully put in an in a, um, occupation so that your life will touch somebody that is seeking God. You are purposefully put on a playground so that your life will touch somebody that is seeking God. We are purposefully put into different places because God knows somebody is praying and seeking for answers and needing the answer that we have, the hope that we have. We are significant because he said so. Not because I said so, but because he said so. Right here, he says, how precious, how precious are your thoughts, are God's thoughts to me. How precious are those thoughts? How great is the sum of them? He thinks so much about each other. You know, sometimes people are like, well, I didn't want to bother God with that. Are you kidding me? Like, God can't handle it. Like, who are we talking about? You're, you're talking about a small God. You're not talking about my God. My God is so big, he wants to hear everything that I want to say to him. And let me tell you, there are times where he may get an earful. <laughs> and he can handle it. He's fine with it. He's like, come on, bring it on. <laughs> Talk to me, I want to hear it. You know, uh, Jeremiah 1.5. I just want you to know the significance of who you are to Christ, to God Almighty. He said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Isn't that just amazing? Before your parents even had a chance to meet you, God knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you uh, a prophet to the nations. Now, not everyone in here is a prophet. That's okay. But all of us were appointed to do something for God before our parents even met us. There was a plan. There was a purpose for our lives before anybody even had the privilege of saying, oh, you're so cute. Welcome to this world. God was like, you are important to me. You know, uh, as we grow up, there are things that begin to steal from us, steal our self-esteem, steal our confidence, steal, you know, 
And it makes it harder to see ourselves the way that God sees us. It makes it, that verse seem like, really, I can't even believe that he's really that interested, that he's really that concerned about me. You know, it may be that uh, you tried something and you didn't succeed at it. And so you feel like, oh, I'm not really worth much because this failed. Or maybe it was hard to learn in the classroom. You know, there were certain subjects that you just had trouble getting. It just didn't make sense. Or maybe, um, you know, there was teasing that went on. And at first it was playful, but then it started to, you know, stick with you in your heart. And you began to believe those things that were jokes, but they began to take root in you. And you started seeing yourself like that. You know, and then maybe there were um, things that, uh, choices that you began to make that just, kept getting you into trouble, kept getting you going down the wrong path. And it seemed like you just kept making those choices over and over and over. It begins to, you know, I can never do anything right. All of a sudden, those kind of thoughts begin to come in. Or maybe your home wasn't great. You know, there's certain circumstances that people face. And, and you know, parents are just not perfect. Some are maybe less perfect than others, you know, especially if they don't have Christ. Sometimes people say and do things that are just not nice. And, and it, it begins to form patterns of who, how you see yourself, how, how you uh, deal with things that come at you, you know. It helps you to start thinking that you're not gonna win. You're not going to overcome. You're not, because you may have been hearing things like that growing up or experiencing things like that, uh, you know, through your young adulthood or just different things. Things starting to come and say, you know what, this person is amazing and, well, you're not. Sorry. You know, those kind of things begin to start creeping in and start trying to shape you so that you will back off from the awesomeness that you are. Because you are awesome. You are meant to go and run at life and conquer it. And that doesn't mean that you're the really loud person that's out there running and conquering it. No, that means that you're the person that God created with the talents and the giftings and the abilities that he purposefully put in you because he knew what he needed you to do. He's not trying to get you to do what some other person is doing that's magnificent in your eyes. He's like, yeah, that's great. I created them to do that, but I created you for this. And this person can't be reached unless you walk in the light of what I've made you to be. And so tonight, I want us to realize he began a work. It's not over yet. He's still working. He's still creating. He's still developing. He's still causing us to triumph. He's still causing us to go out and do great exploits for him. And your exploit, it doesn't matter exactly what it looks like. It does, we're not comparing it to someone else's exploit because every single exploit is needed. Every part is necessary. You know, it's so easy to discount the things that you're good at. Well, everybody's good at that. No, they're not. No, they're not. Ask your spouse. There are things about you that you are really good at that they're not. And that's why they married you, because they were smart. <laughs> 
They knew you had things that they didn't have and that you would complete them. And so they are like, okay, that's the person. Yes, awesome. We're going to run and we're going to do great things for God. God knows what your strengths are. And he purposed you to have those. He purposed. And then, you know what is super amazing? He gave you those. And then he said, I am going to help you. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that so amazing? Uh, let's look at... Um, First Thessalonians, I'm jumping quite a bit. First Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. I just think this is so amazing. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Only God can do that. Isn't that amazing? His blood makes us completely blameless at the coming of our Lord Christ Jesus. If we tried to do that in and of ourselves, we wouldn't be able to do it. But it's him in us. So he gives us this uh, desire to do things right, and then he's going to help us do it right. Let's look at verse 24. This, he who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. So we read in Philippians 1, 6 that he began the good work, and then we read in 1 Thessalonians 5, 24 that he will be faithful to do it. We don't even have to do it all by ourselves. If you think of who God is, his majesty, his ability to create everything, you see nature all around you, you just, you can see who the splendor of who God is. And then you know that he has thought about you. I mean, like lots, not just like one time today. He's been thinking about you all day long. Even when you're not thinking about him, he's thinking about you. He's not thinking, oh, I, I just, you know, think that this person's not really doing very well today. That's not how he thinks. How many of you do your best when somebody is thinking bad about you at work? How many of you does that just make, yeah, I'm going to go rock it. I'm going to just do awesome today. Uh, you know, I, I know I'm good. Yes, I'm just going to, I'm going to excel in everything. When you know that somebody is thinking bad thoughts about you, you tend to be like, oh, great. I made a mistake in front of so-and-so. Can't believe it. So a lot of times if we're confused and we think that that's what God's thinking about us, it doesn't make us want to run at life. It makes us want to step back and say, oh, great, I don't want to mess up. We want to be like, you know, the person with all the talents, that parable where the one had 10, the one had five, and the one had one. It makes you want to go hide that talent. Say, well, God, you know, you're the, I knew you'd want me to do you know, not lose the talent, so I just didn't use it. I hid it, but here it is. There's still the talent. You know, no, he's not thinking of you like that at all. Instead, he's looking at you and he's saying, I put these things in you for a purpose. I believe in you. 
I know you can do this. I know you can go and, and affect your world. I know you can affect your family. I know you can affect your friends. I put things in you so that people would be drawn to you. You know, I gave you that smile for a reason. I gave you that detailedness for a reason because somebody that is not as detailed needs you. You know, he puts these things together, people crossing paths for a reason and for a purpose because he knew what they needed and he knew what you had to give. Isn't that amazing? It is so amazing that he thinks of us. Let's look at Philippians 4.13. You don't even have to do everything in your own strength. He gives you this gift, and then he's like, oh, don't worry, you, you don't have to do it by yourself. You don't have to do it in your own strength. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He is the one doing it in us. How can we fail? <laughs> How, you were not set up for failure. You were set up to overcome and run. Victorious. Why? Because you're so great in of yourself? Well, you know what? You are. Because you were made by God. You were fashioned before you were even in your mother's womb. All those things that are in you were for a reason. We do have an adversary. Let me see. Let's look at James 4, 7, and 8. I do want to point this out. It says, therefore, submit to God. You know, sometimes it takes a lot of submitting to the word of God to believe that more than how we feel. You know, have you ever had that where you're like, well, I don't feel like that's true about me. I'm not fearfully and wonderfully made today. If you saw me before I put my makeup on, <laughs> you would agree. <laughs> you know, seriously, there's times where you don't feel something. You're just like, you know, you, you don't feel good. You don't feel something. And that's when you're submitting to God and saying, you know what, God? I believe you. You said I was fearfully and wonderfully made, so I'm believing that. I'm believing that that's how you see me. So that's submitting to God. But look at the next thing on James 4, 7. It says to resist the devil. If you ever had a doubt that there was a devil, James 4, 7 says there is. There's a devil. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That means if I'm not resisting him, he's right next to me. He's in the same room. He's the one that's giving me these thoughts of inadequacy, of, you know, he, sometimes he, he's helping the person next to you say all the things that they're saying that make you feel inadequate. The Bible says we're, we don't fight flesh and blood, but powers and principalities. So a lot of times, you know, you have to give the person a break that's next to you when they're saying terrible things because all they're doing is yielding to the devil. How do you do that? Submit to God. Don't let your mouth say everything that comes to your mind. If it's not positive, it's not God. He does not put you down. He believes the best. He's thinking good of you. He is the ultimate cheerleader. He is on the sidelines saying, not even on the sideline, he's in you. <laughs> 
Forget the sideline. He is in you, and he's saying, go for it. You can do it. You are going to succeed. You are going to overcome. And the devil's like, not this time. You know, you just don't have enough. And he's like, you can do all things. I'm in you. I'm in you. I'm helping you. You don't have to have it all. Let's look at... Um, Let's look at one more thing on that. Let's look at verse 8 while we're there. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. You know, one of the keys in all of this is the relationship that we have with God. It is submitting to him and understanding that what he says about you is true more than those feelings, and then drawing near to him. You know, it's really hard to know that God loves you if you don't ever talk to him, if you're not making a place for him in your heart, in your life. You know, he's a gentleman. He's not going to force himself in. You know, uh, sometimes as Christians, we can know what are, what's good for people, and if we're not careful, we try to cram it down their throats. But that's not God. He will not do that. He's saying if you, he wants you to draw to him. You draw near to him, and then he is going to reciprocate, and he's going to, he's always there. Whether or not you draw near to him, he's there. He's just waiting for you to say, okay, Lord, have your way. And so as we draw near to God, he draws near to us. And then guess what it does? It ends up making our thoughts and our um, bad habits go away <laughs> because we're getting the mind of Christ. We're getting his way of doing things. We're drawing near. We're understanding who he is. It, it makes you stop shooting yourself in the foot. You know, because you are getting in a relationship with him. You're taking time. You, you are understanding that he does love you. Why? Because as you get close to him, he opens your heart. And he is like, do you sense my presence? Do you see how much I care? And the more that we get in that place, the more that he speaks to our hearts and develops us because we're giving him the avenue to do it. You know, there's a lot of Christians that choose to believe on the name of the Lord Jesus and, uh, in, and start. But he's, he's wanting to help you on your race, and they're like, you know what, that's good enough. That's where I want to be right now, is right here. And God is at a place where he's saying, I have a race and I have a prize. And if you run, I'm going to help you. I'm going to give you everything you need. I'm going to be right there. It's not that you're not going to have, you know, growing pains and stretching and all like those kind of different things, you know. If you lift weights, you feel it the next day. Well, you know what? As you go with the things of God, there's times where he said, I want you to step out and do this. And it's like, wait a minute, that I can't do that. And he's like, I can do all things through Christ. I wouldn't have asked you if you couldn't do it. I wouldn't have put you there if you couldn't get the job done. I wouldn't have brought you to this place if I thought you were going to fail. 
I brought you to this place because I want you to win. And I need you. And I need what? He wants you to run at life. He doesn't want you to pull back. He wants you to go forward, take those chances, not because you're being dumb, but because he's leading you, because he's showing you. He, he is causing you to desire the things that he has for you. There's a reason he puts things in our hearts, not so that we feel like, oh, we're going to fail. There's no way we can do that. No, because he wants to stretch and to help us get in a place to where we can do those things that he's put in our heart. Um, I want to look at one, a couple more things. Um, Zechariah 4.6 says, He answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So we don't have to do it in our own strength. We saw that in Philippians 4.13, that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We don't have to do it in our own might or our own power. It says right here that we're doing it by his spirit. His spirit is in us. What a, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world? His spirit is in us. That's helping us. And then Philippians 4.19 did you know you don't have to have everything you need to accomplish his plan for you? Philippians 4.19 says that my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Who is it by? By, your rate? by yourself? No, by Christ Jesus. It's amazing that this whole letter in Philippians is Paul exhorting the church at Philippi that look, he began a work. Look, there's a race that you're running. Look, you can do it through Christ who strengthens you. Yes, you can have everything that you need to do what you're supposed to do, to get the job done. He is not a God that is going to set you up and say, okay, now figure it out yourself. That's not how he works. He puts you in places and in positions that you are needed, needing him because if you could do it in your might and in your power, guess who gets the glory? The glory does not go to him. But when God gets the glory, it changes people's lives. It gives people hope. Really? That person did that? Well, if they could do that, <laughs> surely I could do something. That, you know, seriously, that's okay for people to think that way. I can remember there was a time I got into a group and I was traveling and singing and people were like, really? She out of there? I'm like, you know, at the time you're like, oh, I know, it's about the skin of my teeth. But you got in there and you're like, God helped he knew why he put you in different places. He knows why he put you in this church. He knows what the different giftings will pull out in you and help you to run your race and finish the course that is in front of you. We're here on purpose, for a purpose. There's a work that God is doing, and we get to be a part of it. Being a Christian, if this, I, I just want to share this. Being a Christian is so 
awesome. It's not boring. It's not a life of, you know, barely get by. It's an exciting thing to be a Christian, to live for him, to get, it's adventurous. Have you ever noticed that? There are just some times where you just feel like you're walking really close to a cliff and you like look over and you're like, God, if it weren't for you. <laughs> Have you ever had that happen in your life? And you're just so thankful that you're one of those that is walking with him. And then you're like looking behind you and you're like, you guys need him. <laughs> you're walking right here and you really need Jesus. <laughs> so you don't fall off. You know, seriously. Seriously, we have someone amazing with us all the time. And so, you know, I, I wanted to share this. Uh, John 3, 16 and 17. I just want to read through this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God loves us. He loves us so much. You know, that's a scripture that we teach our four and our five-year-olds and our six-year-olds, and we say, you know what? God loves you. We sing that song, Jesus loves me, this I know. We teach that to them at a very young age because we want them to have that understanding that God loves them, that he cares for them. He didn't come here to beat us up and to make us feel insignificant and of no value. Our, the devil is mean. He is the one because he will try to get you to think thoughts of hopelessness because you'll shrink back. But that's not how God does things. God will cheer you on because he knows that he will get more out of you when you are believing the best, not in your own strength and your might, but knowing that God in you. And when you do that, you are going to accomplish great things. When you get your eyes off of yourself and eyes off of the fears and eyes off of uh, shortcomings and eyes off of what so-and-so said, what they did, all those things, and you get your eyes focused on who Christ is in you, you're going to run at life. You're not going to shrink back in terror. You're going to run. Let's look at Romans 10. Um, let's, let's start at verse 9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Let's look at verse 11. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Isn't that amazing? Every single person that has made Jesus their Lord and Savior will not be put to shame. As we seek him, as we follow him, there is no shame. There is no failure. That's what the blood of Jesus did for us. It covered our sins. We needed that. We needed somebody to cover our mistakes. The Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins. God is love. He covers. 
all those things, the weaknesses that we have. And he says, you know what? I've put greatness in you. And he said that we will not be put to shame. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? That's the kind of God we live. That's the kind of God we serve. How can you not want to be a Christian? I mean, seriously, how can you run away from God when that's your future? All right, let me show you one other thing real quick, and I, I know I'm going a little over, but I only get to do this every once in a while, okay? So, and I had so much. <laughs> you should see my pages. <laughs> but let's just look at this. Psalm 112. This one of, I read through this and I'm like, wow, this is how God sees us. So amazing. You guys will have to read Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 13 on your own. That's your bonus. You want to see how God sees you? Read Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 13. But for now, we'll do this. Praise the Lord. How joyful are those who fear the Lord. Isn't that amazing? We're joyful. And delight in obeying his commands. Their children will be successful everywhere. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. Isn't that awesome? This is us. They themselves will be wealthy. Hello. Well, I just need to have my needs, Matt. Well, okay. But God said you could even be wealthy. Right there. It's that, that's not Shelley saying that. that. That's the Bible. David said that. And their good deeds will last forever. Can you imagine impacting generations for the kingdom of God? That's in our future. Light shines in the darkness for the godly. Hello, we are not blind. We can see clearly where we're going because of his light. Because it doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter how hopeless everything is. He, his light is shining. They are generous, compassionate, and righteous. Good comes to those who lend money generously and conduct their business fairly. Such people will not be overcome by evil. Those who are righteous will be long remembered. Your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, they're going to be honoring who you were and the life that you lived for him. They do not fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. And that's such a place of peace, confidently trusting the Lord. They are confident and fearless and can face their foes triumphantly. No matter who crosses your path, you're confident. And you're just walking in strength and in power. They will have influence and honor. The wicked will see this and be infuriated. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. They will grind their teeth in anger. They will slink away. Their hopes will be thwarted. All those things that you think, oh, this person's getting ahead. That's so not fair. They're not even serving God. That's not their end. And so we just trust God. So today we're going to close. And one thing that I wanted to do is just pray the prayer of salvation. If that is something, if you're online, 
on site. If you've never prayed the salvation and you want to know without a shadow of a doubt where you are going and that he has begun a good work in you and he is going to be faithful to complete it, you, everyone can say it with me, but you know if this is uh, a first time for you and then you can reach out on our website there's a um, know jesus page and if you want to fill that form out we'll reach out to you if you're here on site you can just come up and uh, talk with rebecca you want to raise your hand all right and let her know if you have any questions so listen uh dear father we just come before you in the name of jesus the name above all names lord you said that if we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that God raised Jesus from the dead, we will be saved. And so, Lord, today we confess that Jesus was raised from the dead. Lord, we confess that we needed a savior that we needed help that we cannot go through life in our own might in our own strength and in our own ability but we need you Lord and so Lord we just say boldly that we want you to be our Lord and Savior because of what Jesus did on the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. So if that is the first time you have ever prayed that, you are now part of the He Began a Good Work. Isn't that amazing? Look what you have to look forward to. He began a good work. If you've already been on that journey, it's not over. It's still running. You know, if you got a little off here or a little off there, it doesn't matter. You're still running. It's not over. The finish line is still right in front of you, and you keep going. And there's an amazing thing. God makes up time. So you're not behind. You're going to do just fine. You're going to cross that line. And our, our goal is when we see him face to face, he says to us, well done, good and faithful servant. He's not saying, well done, you made so much money. Well done, you have so many friends. Well done. He is saying, you were a good and faithful servant. You did what I wanted you to do. You took my gifts. You, you took those talents and you did something with it and you affected the kingdom of God. Isn't that awesome? So we go tonight with our heads high, knowing that the greater one is in us and he's thinking about us. And he's cheering us on and he's for us and he's not beating us down. He is lifting us up. And he's saying, go get them. 